Welcome to Last Ones at the Bar. It's your one-stop shop for all your boxing needs. We got the big show today, talking about Tiafimo Lopez victory over Vasil Lomachenko. My name is Wilton Henry. My name is Daniel Lee. And my name is Lavelle Jackson. All right, so we're not gonna uh, play around with it today. We're gonna go straight to you know uh, the big event of the weekend. Uh, Danny, you want to go ahead and take over at this point? You know, let us know what we're gonna be talking about. For sure, for sure. But uh, first of all, how was you guys' weekend? Decent, you know, not a lot going on. A ate some uh, Maryland crabs with <laughs> Old Bay, so I had a taste of that. And just hanging out, so watching the fights. So very relaxed weekend. You had a pretty mundane weekend. I drove down to Baltimore for a minute. But after that, I was pretty much uh, I chilled out, you know, sipping on that water yesterday. But then I ended up turning that water into wine. <laughs> and uh, heard that. <laughs> yeah, later on, though, man, but it caught up to me because I was sitting there watching the fight. Next thing I know, the fight was watching me. So I had a chance to check it out this morning. How about you? How about you, Danny? How was your weekend? That yeah, wine well, will do it to you. Um, mine was smooth. I just paid some bills, did some training yesterday. I was off this uh, Italian wine I found. Um, last night, I fought it off though. It was it was trying to put me out, but I, I fought it off. Oh, that's what's up. And then what about um? I heard you saying that you uh train with like an amateur boxer this this week. How did that go? Yeah, no, it went it went well. I mean, considering you know, like basically, I, I rolled out of bed and went to go spar, and you know, he was already kind of sharp, and he's been training. He's about a month into his into training for uh, his fight in November on the 13th, I believe. Mm. Uh, so it was some good work, you know? Like, I didn't necessarily feel out of place. It was it was really motivating for me to to really, like, step my game up and just see what I can do. Because, you know, they, they tell me to leave the young boys alone, but it's like, hold on, I might got something for them, though. So, yeah. so you're thinking about, um, you know, joining the amateur ranks eventually? We'll see, man. Let me, let me I'm, I want to get the weight down first, and then... Um, see how I feel physically, you know what I mean? And if I feel physically good and, um, you know, I'm getting encouragement from the coaches still, then the time is right, you know? It won't hurt to try it. I'm motivated. I'm feeling good physically, so I might as well keep the train rolling just to push myself. Yeah, that's what's up. But, um, yeah, man, so this was a fight we all been waiting for. Matilda Gomachenko and Teofimo Lopez. Uh, I finally went down last night. And so, how did you guys score it? What do you guys thought? I thought I thought uh, Lopez, of course, won a fight. I don't, I don't think it was as controversial as they're they're making it. It's just that Tico came on kind of in the end of the fight. But uh, Lopez fought a, a, a different fight, a smart fight. I mean, he wasn't really like spectacular. It was more so uh, Lomachenko just fought a, a stupid fight. I was very disappointed with him trying to, uh, number one, uh, wait Lopez out. And and I was even more uh, disappointed with his trainer telling him to do that. You know, it's almost like he's fighting scared and uh, concerned with what, what Lopez using his power, which Lopez really was just, you know, popping the jab, going to the body. He wasn't – Lopez wasn't really – uh, very active, you know, but he was a, he was effective. Uh, Lomachenko was trying to, you know, use feints to 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 uh, figure 
uh, Lopez out, and it, it pretty much cost him the fight. I mean, Lopez ended up hurting him, you know, a few times in the fight with the body shots. And then when uh, Lomachenko started to turn it up, it, it felt like it was, you know, too late. Uh, it was too little, too late. Um, we saw, we saw the, the success he could have against Lopez if he, you know, tried. And we also saw him, you know, kind of get hurt in the last round in trying to implement that strategy. Personally, I'd rather him would have tried to press forward earlier in the fight. And if he, he gets hurt and knocked out, I'd rather that be a better way to go out than the way he went out. So I'm very disappointed with uh, Vasily Lomachenko. Let me, I'm going to start off by, see, the thing with this fight right here, I don't have a problem with Vasil Lomachenko at all. He's just a fighter. You know what I mean? He's a fighter who, who who's really good at what he does. The problem that I have is the hype train surrounding Vasil Lomachenko. It's, it's disgusting. Like, I, it's hard for me even to watch a fight with them. Little bits and pieces that I saw, it's like they just overdo it with the praise that they give the guy. So, for instance, when Bob Aram again, I mentioned this in an episode before, I saw the video where he said that he's never seen a fighter or he never seen anything like this. He included Leonard. He included Hagler. He included Floyd. He included Ali. He said none of them compares to Lomachenko. The crazy thing about it is Lomachenko was 10-1 and 1 at the time. And so that's that's this that's utterly disappointing. That's disrespectful to those all-time great guys. I'm seeing this guy like Lomachenko is a very very good fighter. I don't think he's a great fighter. I really don't because if you're in a situation like that where you're fighting somebody like um, Lopez, he's a bit taller, a bit bigger, but the way Tiafimo Lopez was fighting him. He had to take the approach of how Sugar Ray Leonard fought Tommy Hearns. You got to just go in there and try to go ahead and get it as opposed to just sitting back. Lopez wasn't going to get tired at all because you didn't do anything to, you know, uh, impact his stamina, like, towards the end of the fight. So he just played a way to say those rounds where it's a whole bunch of rounds where it was, like, um, four or five punches that he threw or landed and stuff. That Come on, man. That's not an all-time great performance. You know what I mean? And then also, he gave away the first seven rounds. Made very few adjustments in the fight. Come on, man. That hype train, like, you got to stop it. Like, this is the same thing that they were doing with, what's my man named Chocolate Tito? He, he's the greatest thing. Come on, man. Stop with all of that. Just be honest with the people. If you be honest with the people, I'll give these guys, you know, their credit that they deserve. Golovkin, it's the same thing. Like you're saying, it's repeated over and over. And then Andre Ward, what are you talking about, man? Like, I respect Andre Ward as a fighter, but that scorecard that he had, that's why people are talking about, oh, it was a dude, I think it was a draw. No, what's, he won that fight. There's no doubt about that. The last thing I'm going to say is this. And again, it's just utterly, you know, disgusting to see when they just overly praise guys. The first part of the fight, they're talking about, oh, this is uh, like Roberto Duran, Pernell Whitaker, Chavez, and all of these people. Like, come on, man, pump your brakes. Then I'm hearing them say, oh, uh, he's like Tom Brady. He's like Peyton Manning, Aaron Rodgers, calling audibles. And... Come on, man. They said that, um, and I still think right now, Lomachenko is collecting the data that they said he was collecting on. Yeah, <laughs> 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 But he's, they said things like this. 
he can outclass his opponent mentally. He's a master. He, he, he's, yeah, I give him that. He loves to conduct an, um, an orchestra. Best footwork on earth. Like, come on, man. Like, stop all of that type of stuff. I'm watching this, and this is not happening. Then they tried to, for a second, they were talking about how uh, the 14-month layoff and all of that type of stuff. No, I don't make that as an excuse because Nicholas Water doesn't get that same excuse. So let's not play those games. But anyway, it was disappointing to see somebody who they give so much praise to who put on such a weak performance. So I'll just leave it at that. I, I feel you will. The thing is, though, those guys, and even though, like, you know, some of them guys used to be fighters, you know, they don't get paid to tell the truth for real. For They get paid to to hype the fighters up the way that they do. Like, like Bob Aram going to Bob Aram. I never seen him do anything else other than that, you know, um, as a promoter. But I, I figured, though, it is frustrating, you know, and then, like, a lot of people buy into that and it's sort of like the train, you get some more, you know, you get some more cars added to that train. That hype train. Um, I'm gonna be honest with you. I actually, from like watching it round by round, and from scoring it myself, I had it a draw too. But my eyes told me that Lopez won the fight, and as well as my pockets because I did throw some money down on Lopez right before it started. I'm not gonna lie. But um, so yeah, I, I agree with what you guys said about about Lomachenko. Um, I, you know, like I get that he got to collect his data or whatever, but, you know, in a championship fight with all the marbles on the line, like you can't really wait that late to get started. I've seen it, it's happened too many times where you don't really have enough to really like, you know, you put yourself in that kind of hole. You you, just, you can't trust yourself to run out to win rounds that way when you already putting yourself down to like a four five plus round hole you know what i mean so you know that said i did i did think it was a entertaining fight um it lived up to the hype that i had created in my head <laughs> when you remove all like the the external hate from it so i was i was happy like, I, I wasn't mad at the result i was glad to see the fight it's the first fight this year that i really like, obviously, we got some predictions wrong, and then we'll cover that a little bit later. But it was the first fight that I couldn't, like, readily predict going into it. So let's talk about the fighters themselves, you know, because, um, you know, this answers some questions about both fighters. Uh, what do you guys think is next for Vasily Lomachenko moving forward? Is he still on here? Yeah. They got to set us up like they do the verses, you know what I mean? Like, let us go to Tyler Perry studio. You know what I mean? Record using using the external mics. Yeah. Did you follow that at all? The versus battle? Oh, yeah. 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 The, ones I, yeah. the ones I wanted to see, like some of them I didn't necessarily get. Yeah. 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 What was your favorite so far? So, my favorite was the. It was a T Pain, the Lil John one. And I say that because. Like, I wasn't allowed to listen to the 90s music growing up because my, my, that's how my family was. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, that was like my high school years when, when Lil John and T-Pain were high, like high school, early college. So, like, on top of, like, the music and on top of, like, their personalities, it was, like, so many memories of those songs, man. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's how it be. Yeah. That's, that's how it was for me when I was listening to uh, Snoop and DMX. Oh, yeah, that was a good one, too. Yeah, that was like, a good one, too. I like, you know, it, it's a lot of them that I like. 
but that one separated because um, I think right before that I saw uh, Rick Ross and Two Chainz. And there, it just seemed like they were just being too cool without, like, you know, it just seemed like they were just trying to be too cool. And then when I saw yeah. Snoop and DMX, you know, the fact that they were really into their music, singing their lyrics, and then it was like, at the end, they stopped freestyling a little bit. And that's what hip-hop is all about, you know what I mean? And they big artists enough where they could play it cool, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they didn't take exactly. the approach. Yeah. See, I'm really not a fan of anything. Like, 2 Chainz is cool, like, in, in certain settings. But Ross, like, every time I see him, it's like he has this, like, and maybe it's just how he is, but it's like this, like, it's just like he's too cool to be here type of deal. And it's like, well, if you're too cool to be here, why are you here? Like, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. He always. Doesn't make, he always in character, that's for sure. Yeah. It's like he play that big boss character, like, like you, you don't never turn that off. You know what I'm saying? Like, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> what? You know, like that don't exhaust you? Like, cause like, I'm I'm not as old as he is, but like I get tired sometimes when I gotta like, I can't be, I can't use my my normal like outside of work language at work. Right. And it's, it's like he just do this the whole time, huh? You know what I mean? I guess he just like dwarfed and morphed into that character. He just just who he is. Now. Testing, you know? testing. Yeah. What's going on? I'm some real Testing. issues. Vail, want... Testing. Oh, there you go. Are you hearing me now? Say, what... okay. Dude, that's what Loma... yes, sir. Lomachenko should have did. They should have made some adjustments. Like you, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, he, he did make an adjustments. It was just too, too late, man. Wait. You should have did that. I was, I was like, I thought somebody see me. I'm like, it's third round, man. Like, what? It's here in the head. No, that's what, it, that, that's what he was going to have to do, though. Like, he had to... um apply a little bit more pressure to Lopez just to wear him out a little bit. Like, he wasn't doing anything. He was just, you know, playing it too safe early on. But I'm telling you, though, he felt them punches whistling by him, though. That's why he was doing it. Yeah, yeah he did. Yeah, yeah. I, oh, yeah. for sure. Uh, Lopez was bringing that, that threat of pressure. It, it, even if, if Lopez didn't hit him, if he hit his gloves, if if, if Lomachenko heard him coming by, you could see the look on his face like, oh, okay, this guy can 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 can. You could crack. crack, but it's like sometimes you just gotta you you, you gotta assert yourself, and if, if you get hurt, you get hurt. I mean, that, you gotta take the chance, man. Gotta take the, the chance. Day. <laughs> you know nah, yeah. I'll say before moving on is like I can kind of see where he would do that because you know this guy's been in almost four hundred amateur fights, only lost one. He's been in 15, 16 pro fights, only lost one up to up to last night. So just like any profession, right? Like a doctor, you know, to to like a surge a surgeon or something. You know what I mean? Like you might think you're special, but you might be like his five hundred surgeon. You just another another human body with organs to him. So mm-hmm. he probably went in underestimating Lopez uh ring IQ the same way like so much so many of us did. And really, you know, he thought he could take him he thought he was gonna take him in deep waters, not really knowing that Lopez was built for that. Yeah, but see, like I say, if he was gonna take the approach of taking him into deep water. He should have. He had to put a little bit more pressure on him, at least to have Lopez, you know, zap some of his energy. But if you just sitting there, I'm just gotta, you know, jab you, and then it's nothing coming back at me. Then I'm really not gonna get fatigued like that. You know, you got to do just a little yeah. bit more, and then he could have just upped his his uh, output 
And I think that he probably would, because he started landing on, on Lopez after a while when he started, you know, being more willing to exchange. But it was just like you said, it was a little too yeah. late. Yeah, yeah, Lomachenko did start coming on when he when he started. It was just way too late. It's just it was a, it was a it was a bad strategy. And he it's one thing that I saw that he that Lomachenko didn't take advantage of. I think he I could kind of see what he was trying to do, but he wasn't implementing it right, which was Lopez was very tight, very nervous. You know, you can you can see that nervous energy, and Lomachenko was thinking like this guy's gonna wear himself out just you know, trying to overthink what I'm doing with, with face and stuff like that. But Lomachenko wasn't giving him anything to, th- to, to really, like, think about. He wasn't making him more nervous. He could have gave Lopez a lot more to think about, a lot more to be nervous about, and then really re- then really tire him out. It was almost like he was trying to take the approach of, of you know, the Hopkins-Taylor approach, where, where Hopkins kind of did do that, but it didn't work. You know, but it, it just... Mm-hmm. It, it was it was a it was a bad strategy. It was a, it was a I won't say it was a, a totally a bad strategy. I'll say it was a, it was a bad implemented strategy. Here here's the deal. When I was pit predicting a fight, the reason why I was favoring um, Lomachenko, I really hadn't seen uh, Lopez that much. I saw him fight um, Kome, and I saw him fight Nagatani. Now I was basing it on that Nagatani fight. It's like somebody boxed him, then he's gonna have trouble because he really—I don't think he won that fight against Nagatani. But Nagatani is a tall fighter, so that's different than fighting Lomachenko. You know what I'm saying? So when they ended up, you know, matching up, the two things you saw the size difference. But the other thing that I think that Lomachenko didn't factor in is that speed. Like uh, Lopez is pretty quick. And so the punches be coming. And he kind of like Danny Garcia when it comes to his timing, too. Like, sometimes he's going to throw some of those counters, and he's really accurate with those counters. And if he don't hit you, he's just missing. And, you know, somebody with heavy hands like that, you, you'll be reluctant on, you know, running up in there on somebody who's, um, you know, got those type of qualities. Now, looking at Lomachenko, um, I think he's probably either going to – do, take the uh, rematch with uh, Lopez if it's available, because I, I heard rumors that it wasn't a rematch clause, which is stupid on Lomachenko's part yeah, in and of itself. But I think he takes a rematch. Or, if he doesn't, what he should do is move down to 130. But I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's, he's, because he, now he has that loss, he's now an opponent, he's probably going to go through the gauntlet, and he's probably going to lose some. I mean, that's just... The reality of the situation, unless he takes that rematch, it does better and gets his confidence back. If he doesn't get his confidence back, it's 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 uh downhill from here, you know. So, I get what y'all are saying about him moving back to one thirty and or not moving back to one thirty. And by the way, I looked it up. Uh, there, like I said, there's no rematch clause, and um, Lopez, from the way he was talking last night, he's more or less moved past him. I think he wants to. Move up the well. We'll talk about Lopez in a second. So with Lomachenko, you know he's a fierce competitor. You know he's been at 135 for a few fights now, but at some point you got to realize what's best for your career. And like, is it best for him to stay at 135 and fight these young guns? Like in an interview last year, he walks around at 139. You know what I mean? So you know I'm not using that as an excuse for you know how he's looked at 135 in some fights, but I have to say he's better suited at 130. 
and he can still get some pretty decent fights at 130. You know, they, they're not going to be, like you said, they're not going to be much as much money involved, but there's for sure going to be less less uh, damage involved. You know, like, although both of them are in the top rank, I don't think Bob Aaron would put him against Shakur at this point. But you got uh, Jamel Herring, you got Oscar Valdez, you got Burchelt, you got Jojo Diaz Jr. If they want to do that with Golden Boy. He has a few options at 130, and, you know, he's not getting any younger either. You know what I mean? So I, if, if I were him, I would, I would see what I can make check at 130 because 135, I, you know, I think he dared to be great even moving up to that division. And, you know, respect to him for that and respect to both fighters, really. But I think that division is kind of sort of uh, kicking him out by force of age and, and size, really. See, the thing is, the reason why I say that he should, you know, try to, if he's going to stay at 135, try to get the Tank Davis fight because he matches up better with Tank Davis it, um, compared to any other of those guys. The other guys are too, like physically, there, it's going to be a bad matchup for him. Ryan Garcia is real tall. I don't know about Ryan Garcia. I just don't know in terms of his skills altogether, just based on what I see. The boy got some timing, man. <laughs> like that, you don't want to oh, mess. Yeah, yeah you sure. don't want to mess around and be on a bad end of one of those counter punches. You know, because he land dudes out. That's but right. Tank Davis is five five. Lomachenko is five seven. He is reach. I think Tank's reach is like sixty seven. Lomachenko got those short alligator arms, sixty five inches. But I think that, like I say, just based on the, their size, that that would be a better matchup for him. And he does well when he fights guys like his height and stuff like that. So I think I would go for that that tank fight if I was him, you know, as far as my next big event, you know. Yeah, I think that's funny because I think uh, now Tank Davis, his team will probably actually look at Lomachenko now and say, oh, maybe we can make that fight now. Because <laughs> I know in the past there was some apprehensiveness about, you know, Taking those type of fights, you know, take, or taking that fight particularly, uh, especially when Long Chico was at one thirty, but I think that has a bigger chance uh, of happening now. The only thing uh, that works against that fight is that you know the top ranking PBC, uh, and more on that later too, because that falls into to a Lopez situation. And, and, and keep in mind yeah. that um, see some things I wasn't thinking about going into the fight. Again, the biggest thing that I was looking at is that I just figured that Lomachenko, I didn't see enough of Lopez. I heard that he was a really good boxer, like in the amateurs, but when he turned to the pros, that's when he became this, you know, highlight reel knockout artist. So that's what I was saying. And like I said, when I saw the Nakatani fight, I was like, well, Vasil, if he's barely beating a guy like Nakatani, Vasil is going to figure this guy out. So that's what I was thinking about going into the fight. Um, but what I didn't factor in was this before the fight. If I would have been thinking this thing all the way through, because you got to keep in mind, Bob Arum is tricky. You know what I'm saying? In terms of he's sneaky. So when he has both of his fighters that he's putting out there, he might lean towards like as far as a decision and making sure and ensuring that uh, Lopez won that fight because he's a younger guy. He might be able to make more money off of him for a longer period of time. So those things, Bob, you know, he has a history of those type of things happening. Um, in those uh, top rank events, so I wasn't factoring all of that type of stuff in before the fight. If I would, I probably would have leaned towards Lopez. Um, had I thought it, yeah, because that one nineteen and one hundred nine scorecard was uh, interesting. <laughs> that was fishy. Yeah, that, it wasn't like that. At least, 
Yeah. Yeah. The only reason why I was saying I was airing on the side of 130, because like you said, well, you know, it's on, on one hand, PBC could look at it that way. But on the other hand, you know, PBC could look at it like, all right, this guy doesn't have any belts anymore. You know what I mean? So and, and even even still, that will be one fight for for Lopez. I'm sorry, one fight for Loma. So it was like kind of like a long term type of deal. He he just seems better suited to to move back down to 130 if he doesn't get that fight immediately after this. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But moving on from Loma, uh, what do you guys think is next for, for uh, Lopez? We, we heard Lopez say a few things. Um, there there was, of course, he has the gauntlet of 135 to run. You know, to go through. I mean, but it's interesting because he does have you know three of the four belts. They're trying to call him a unified champion. I don't think that's true because uh, Haney has the WBC title, uh-huh. so Haney is the most logical choice. So is he really, he can fight those other guys. He don't really need them. I mean, he really just needs uh, uh, um, Devin Haney. But at the same time, um, you know, he's also, uh, uh, of course, a top-ranked fighter. That's that's what made, you know, Lomachenko Lopez the easiest fight to make out of all of those fights because they both were with the same uh, promoter. And then you have, you have, um, you know, the 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 fighters at 140. You have uh, Ramirez and um, Josh Taylor, who also top ranks, and a possible, you know, super fight to make there. You know, if the, versus the winner of those fights, uh, because they are top rank fighters. Uh, personally, I like I would want him to stay at 135 and try to run the golly because he is the man. Everyone has to fight now. Uh, he has the marble. He has, you know, most of the marbles. Um, he's probably he's the only top ranked fighter at 135. I mean, besides Lomachenko, which you know it's it's a moot point right now. So he has more negotiation, you know, um, advantages to make all those other fights with you know the Tank Davis, uh, which is PBC, uh, Devin Haney, which is the Zone, um, and, and even Ryan Garcia, who I think is is Golden Boy. Uh, so I would like him to stay at 135 and run that gauntlet and 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 let let the guys fight it out. Uh, the only thing against that, uh, besides you know the stars at 140, is we don't know how long Lopez can make that weight. You know <laughs> he says he's having trouble, whatever. Uh, I think he should just just take no tune ups, go through it, and, and see what happens. I mean, if you want want to be great, you gotta take those risks to be great. Oh man, he's talking about the takeover. You know what I mean? So if he's trying to do the takeover, don't I'm not even looking at 140 because it's only really two guys at 140 to me that would make sense. And then, but you got all of that talent right there, 135. And 135 historically is one of those divisions. You know what I'm saying? That you have like your great fighters at 135, 147 at middleweight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So take over that division. Why you got all of those guys there? And I said this in the previous episode. If you go through all of those guys, you're going to put yourself a cut above. So then you can demand what the heck you want to demand. It's going to be money being thrown at you all type of ways. So he needs to take care of handle that business. He needs to fight Devin Haney to establish who's the top 135 pounder. And then, you know, he can take on like, like Ryan Garcia. All of these fights that you're talking about are pay-per-view fights. Easy. You know what I'm saying? And these are big money fights. I'm not looking and I'm not trying to hear anything about this promotional stuff where he's with this. No, I'm not trying to hear that. You can take control of your career, go to your promoter and demand those fights. No, I want him. You know what I mean? Let him know. 
and and let's not play those type of games. So yeah, he should go ahead and you know knock on uh, Haney's door, you know what I mean, and and go ahead and and, and handle that business and see establish who's the best out of those two, and then they can go ahead and you know call out Tank, call out Ryan Garcia. After that, you the man. So that's what I expect him to do, and that's what I hope that he does. Yeah, I think that's what he's gonna. I think I hope that he does that. I, I honestly think we could. Uh, the, the promotional stuff will come into play. Like, uh, of course, we know Haney wants those fights, but I think the zones are probably gonna put Haney in there with probably uh, what's his name next, Tevin Farmer. I, I think I will bank on that fight happening next. <laughs> I wouldn't want it, but you know, uh, it, I, I'm not like all of that. T- you got those dudes are right there, man. Like, it's no excuse anymore. Like, right, they right there. Like all of them, and they're like right, and they're they're. Uh, at the same, you know, time frame in their career, they budding prospects or, you know what I mean? What's going about the belt? I still look at Teofimo got a lot to learn. You know, even Haney, you know, they still got a lot to learn. But, you know, they'll just take off. Whoever comes out, you, you can be a fighter who loses to one. It depends on how you lose. But you still can have a promising career, even if you take that loss, because you can always be looking to have a rematch and avenge that loss to the guy that defeated you. You know what I mean? So you can develop that type of rivalry. Some of these guys might even have like uh, rematches and trilogies yeah, like, they're so young. You like De La Hoya like, and Shane. I look at it like that. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, come on, man. Like this, that division right there can really put boxing back where it needs to be. Like that division and welterweight. Yep. Uh, just like you guys, I, I hope that, assuming that Haney handles his business against Gamboa, I'm hoping that that's the first thing that they make for those two fighters in 2021. If it's not, it needs to be late 2021 or something because, you know, now is the time. Like you said, that that division has the potential to bring boxing back, you know, in a way. Um, if he doesn't face Haney, I can see him facing, you know, doing like a tune-up. You got uh, Lenaris out there. You got well, – who's not – I wouldn't disrespect him to say he's a tune-up. He's a solid fighter. But, I mean, you have options that are not – the young guns that we've been mentioning all fight. I'm sorry, mentioning all show that, uh, that he has for options in the interim until he can get those fights. So I'm hoping he stays at 135, try to run the table. He has a lot to learn. There's still a lot of questions to be answered about the division. Um, so speaking of the division, you know, we have, we, we have more data than we did a week ago. How, how are you guys ranking the division? I got a top 10, but we could do a top five. I think I think we are prepped for a top five. So well, I have a top five. What you guys five. thoughts on that? Uh, I mean, I started off, uh, it's no surprises. I have Lopez as number one. He beat the man. Uh, he has three of the four belts officially. I mean, he is the number one guy at 135 right now. He took the risk, and, and that risk paid off. You know, he, uh, Number two. Um, I have Devin Haney. Um, he does have – he has a WBC title, even though they, they, I saw, you know, top rate rank trying to do to him what, uh, you know, I, I hear PBC do to Terrence Crawford. They didn't want to talk about Haney having that belt, but Haney has that belt. He's a WBC champion, regardless they want to acknowledge that the zone exists or not. So I, I see Haney as number two, even though I think Haney has, uh, you know, a lot to prove. But it's time to prove it. You know, he has a fight with Gamboa coming up. That would, I think the way he beats Gamboa could put him easily a cut above, you know, um, Davis and Garcia, who is also, you know, 
at 135 um, on this list. Uh, number three, I have Lomachenko. I mean, he just lost to Lopez. Uh, he dropped down to number three. He doesn't have any belts right now. But I still, uh, of course, just like Will said, he, he does match up well with Davis. I don't know how he do it against Garcia, but Garcia, for some reason, uh, uh, he, I, I, I I don't think it's as, as bad as I as Amir Khan, but I think I see some shades of Amir Khan a little bit. He's probably going to turn out better than that, I hope. Um, but Garcia, out of all the five, I think he proved uh, the least. Uh, so I have Lomachenko at number three. I have uh, Tank Davis at number four. He just had that win against Gamboa, but I still have to look at you know talent level, um, the type of fighter he is. He even though. Um, he still has a lot to prove, even though he he probably has had more, you know, going on than, than all the fighters. He's been pro longer than just about all the fighters besides Lomachenko. Uh, probably Lomachenko also. Um, he hasn't proved a lot at 135. But I do think his power is, is still a threat to, to anyone there. You know, uh, it's just this is his time to prove it. And and even with Teofimo Lopez, I think that's even an interesting fight for him because I, you know, I've seen these guys spar one another. I, they, they've had these sparring wars, you know. Uh, I think probably with Haney, with Haney also. So I, I think that fight is closer than than people think it's gonna be. Um, and then I have number uh, Ryan Garcia. Ryan is number five. Um, I mean, it's 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 more so a young man's game. It's, it's a lot of good fighters at one thirty five as far as you know a level a cut below like Linares and uh, Luke Campbell. Um, those guys are still, you know, good opponents for, for any of those guys. I'm not saying they're great opponents, but they're decent opponents, decent, you know, filler fights. Um, they're, they're, you know, a guy like uh, Luke Campbell or, or Jorge Linares is, is, is still a, a good learning experience for anybody, you know, besides uh, Lomachenko who, who has those on his record. So, that's my number, uh, my top five, Lopez, Haney, Lomachenko, Davis, and Garcia. Yeah, I, for the uh, top five lightweight rankings, um, I mean, really, I got the same list. So I'm not going to, uh, you know, repeat some of the things that you said. Only thing that I'll add on is that, like, Garcia. Garcia, like you say, he's the one that will learn a lot in this Luke Camel fight about him to see what happens once he – Gets into like the mid late rounds if it goes that long. Because <laughs> I tell you, man, every time he taps somebody with them counter shots, it is bad business for those people, man. Like you lay them flat out. So I want to see what's gonna happen when Luke Campbell, yeah, Luke Campbell, uh, tastes some of that leather, and then I want to see what happens if Luke Campbell is able to withstand the leather that's gonna be landed on him, and if he can extend him out to the you know uncharted territory. Um, but outside of that, I got the same ranking system, or yeah, I got the same ranking system as you did, Bill. Um, and Haney and Teofimo Lopez, I had to put him first just based on that win over Loma, but everything else is was spot on as far as what I had. So I'm not going to repeat what you said because maybe we can end early, like uh, we can go home <laughs> early, like the Clippers, you know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> no, at least we'll go with the win. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> Yeah, all I'll say is this. I'll say if if I had to reduce my top 10 to a top five with just the young guns, I have an identical list. 
but I'm really not high on Tank at one thirty five at this point. In my top ten, I got him at number eight personally. So that's all I'm gonna say about that one. But uh, yeah, other than that, my top five is identical to you guys. No need to really belabor that. Um. So yeah, I think that's all I got. Like I'm not talking about 135, but uh, what's good with oh, these yeah, heavyweights? A lot going on you know? in the heavyweight division. Some some fights going coming up, um, and some and some fights is not coming up. It's it's, it's very interesting, um, interesting time for the heavyweight division because I actually like the lineup that that the heavyweights have, and even the, some of the guys that's you know up and coming. But some of the events is you know kind of. Uh, some are good, some are disheartening. Just like we have the upcoming uh, Wilder Fury fight, uh, I've just heard it's, it's canceled. Um, and what are you, what are your thoughts on that, guys? Yeah, I'm honestly relieved that the fight was canceled. I had no interest in really seeing a third fight. Uh, I felt like every question that I had about those two against each other were answered in the first two. So I'm a little bit relieved. Um, I'm, I'm hoping that it turns into maybe a tune-up for Fury in December and that he ultimately fights Fury Joshua. I mean, and that he ultimately fights Joshua in 2021 sometime early, mid-2021, assuming he does what he has to do. But, yeah, for, for Fury, I'm hoping it's, you know, that's that type of situation. For Wilder, I don't know what's going on. He's been pretty quiet since really since um, for the past few months now, you know, like he fired the trainer. Um, but ever since his fight was was canceled, he hasn't really said anything publicly. So, I mean, he still has a few options right now within the PBC wheelhouse, sort of. Like he could he could fight Ruiz. He could fight, I don't expect it to be a good fight, but in, general, in terms of PBC options, he could fight Charles Martin. But um, I, I could see him kind of doing some stay busy fights in, in that stable and then maybe trying to challenge the Fury AJ winner, assuming it plays out that way. Yeah, I, I'm disappointed, man, because I, 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 you know, always harken back to like the heyday when like Ali and them was fighting each other, like easy fight Frazier, Foreman, and all of those. I like what, like when the upper echelon guys, um, you know, settle their differences. They they basically, um, one draw. You know, you got the Fury win. Like, that was a definitive victory. But at the same time, I want to see what Wilder's going to do. How can he respond to that loss? If he can come back and what will happen in a third fight? They need to settle it. I mean, they already had it set up for them to have their trilogy. So that's what I was expecting. That's what I was hoping for. Um, As far as the guys that he's going to potentially fight, Mike Hunter, F.D. Ajaba, um, Oscar Rivas, Charles Martin, um, another guy. I don't know who the other guy is, but I I really don't necessarily i kind of already know what the outcome is going to be in those fights already you know what i mean and so i wanted him to go ahead and take the wilder fight and then see what happens in that in that matchup but um like i said i'm just a little bit disappointed i I don't like the guys that he potentially might face yeah i kind of agree with both of you guys because i'm kind of in the middle when the fight was the third fight was announced i thought like i've seen all i had to see but uh, as the fight got closer, it's like, okay, it's going to be a, a decent, you know, fight. And especially as far as reaching out to casual fans, they're still going to be excited about seeing it. It's still, it's still going to be a big fight. Um, but I do believe I, I saw all I had to see, you know, in the first two fights. I mean, 
we know Fury can can beat Wilder. You know, he can outbox Wilder and he can outmuscle Wilder. Uh, the only thing is, is that Wilder has that racer. You never know when it's gonna come, and it. And so that, that's why even in a third fight, even though I have Fury winning that fight going away, Wilder still has that difference maker that can bail him out at any time. And I thought that's still pretty much the intrigue of the fight, you know, of course. But at the same time, I see this fight like I saw, um, you know, the rematch between Tyson and Holyfield. It's like everyone was hyped up about, about it saying that Tyson's going to do something this time and ever. And it's like the first fight I saw, everything I needed to see in that fight, I, I knew – no matter how big, bigger they made the second fight, that Holyfield was always going to win that fight, <laughs> whether Tyson quit or didn't quit. Holyfield just just had that number, and I think Fury has Wilder's number, not even from a physical standpoint, but from a mental standpoint. But it's still an, an intriguing fight. I was kind of you know disappointed to see it canceled because there's not. Uh, we need more heavyweight fights like this that's going on, you know, in the division. If Fury wasn't going to fight Anthony Joshua or Wilder wasn't going to fight Anthony Joshua, they might as well fight each other, you know. So, um, and that leads us into uh, another heavyweight. Oh, hold, 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 hold up real quick, because there's two things that I forgot to mention. Um, and the reason why I wanted to see this fight, because those are events. Like, when you got Wilder Fury, that's going to shut stuff down. You have people, I saw people like on social media asking about the fight when they fought that are not boxing fans. So that'll get people glued to the sport. You know what I'm saying? Like I like those major events that you have. Like that's kind of like a super, you got heavyweight champs like that and those personalities like that, that makes for a huge sporting event. Like these other guys like Charles Martin and stuff like that. That's not, I mean, that's just going to, you know, it's just another fight. You know what I'm saying? And the other thing that I was going to say is that, shoot, I want to see what Fury does without that brick in his glove. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I saw, like, what is he, what is he, he going to do without that press? So, you know, that, that's going to be intriguing as well. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I think Fury's still probably going to brew as well. Then Wilder doesn't have, you know, Breeley in his corner. I, I think, uh, I don't know. I, it's something mentally about Wilder that's, that, that it's, it's probably he needs to correct in order to beat Fury, in my opinion. Um, but that goes into you know there isn't you know Anthony Joshua, which is another fight that's coming up. Uh, Anthony Joshua is going to fight uh, Kupret Pulev. Um, I hopefully hopefully I pronounce his name right. It's interesting because I've seen him fight plenty of times, but I can't pronounce his name. Uh, but you know, how how do you guys see in this fight going out? It just got announced, uh, uh, you know, probably this week or a couple weeks ago. But how do you guys see in this fight playing out? I'm gonna keep mine brief. Um, th- these are the type of fights that can give AJ trouble, and I'm hoping that he learned from the Ruiz fight not to take it lightly. But I, ultimately, I anticipate he's gonna handle business, you know, and try to get that that unification. Not even unification because I don't think he has a belt, but you know, try to get that big, that big championship fight. Yeah, he does have one of the belts. Remember, I thought he lost it to Ruiz and then regained it. I thought he had one of the belts. Yeah, you're right. Like, I thought about it. Yeah, he has the IBF yeah, and um, WBA. No, no, WBA yeah. Super. <laughs> Take that out of there. He had IBF and he does have the WBO. Mm-hmm. So 
So, um, but I think what they're going to do with Joshua, Joshua's going to get beat. Uh, what is Cool Brad Pulev? Yeah, he's going to beat him. Because um, Pulev, at first, he was seemed like he was scared to fight Joshua. He might be more willing now that he took the loss to uh, Ruiz and he looked a lot more vulnerable now. Um, well, he looked vulnerable. He, he still looked vulnerable to me. You know what I'm saying? Because when he beat Ruiz, he was boxing. But sometimes he was running around and stuff like that, too. That's a big old guy that is moving around the ring like that. You know, it just looked crazy. You know what I mean? It's like the size that he has, you'd think that he'll impose his size on his opponent. But I know he was just trying to get his belt back. But I think he has enough to defeat Pulev. Pulev never really showed me anything. He fought pretty good against Klitschko, but then Klitschko dropped that right hand on him. And that was all she wrote. But he'll get past this one. But I think after this, AJ is going to fight uh, Usyk if Usyk gets past the shore. So I think that's how that's going to play out. Then maybe later on they might do a unification unification match with Fury um, at a later date. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, line of a fight that could happen <laughs> if it did. Uh, I've seen uh, you know Pulev fight a few times. Uh, he, he be, the guys he did beat were kind of you know. A little bit over the hill or older or at a certain level. I mean, the only time he really, really stepped up was against Klitschko. And of course, he got, you know, knocked out. Um, but still, I think this, I can't say it's like a great fight for Anthony Joshua, but I think it will be a good confidence booster, booster in how he beats uh, Pulev and, and, and how that translates to what he feels he can do against someone like, you know, Tyson Fury. Uh, I mean, it could be a confidence booster. Uh, I see Anthony Joshua winning this fight, but if he doesn't win this fight, that'll show you exactly what level Anthony Joshua is on. Yeah, that'll show you that he's he, he's definitely not ready for someone like uh, Tyson Fury or even Usyk. <laughs> you know, he, he's not ready for that. He 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 will have to pretty much start from scratch and rebuild his confidence. Confidence if he doesn't beat uh, Pulev. Then there's uh, another you know heavyweight fight that just got announced. Uh, interesting because because this guy is like the dark horse of the division. We don't hear a lot from him. Uh, he's he's almost like um, rigged out in a way that you know certain guys avoid him. Um, and as soon as he gets his losses, they try to you know leave him alone. Act as he if he as if he doesn't exist. And he's he's getting to be on the on the old side. But we have Louis or- Ortiz. Uh, he has a fight coming up with Alexander Flores. Um, so how do you guys see this fight? This is an easy one for real, for real. Um, Flores is 18 and two. He got knocked out by Joseph Parker. He got knocked out by Charles Martin. Um, respectfully, neither of those guys are Luis Ortiz. Um, I think Luis Ortiz is, he's going to handle business. Um, I would imagine that it's going to end by knockout as well, but, um, I'm not. I, it's hard to predict what round. That'd be the hardest thing to predict here. But um, that's kind of the outcome I see. Yeah, I just think it's a stay busy fight. You know, what I mean, you gotta, you know, fight somebody, and he's just taking a fight in between trying to get a bigger opponent um, in a ring with him. I'm just interested to see what he looks like for two reasons. One is his age, and you just when guys about, you know, 59, 60 years old, <laughs> you just don't know if <laughs> if it's gonna show. You know, that's the first thing, and then the second thing is. If, you know, 
as you go in, in your career, it's hard to get up for those little tune-up fights too because you don't experience the you know biggest of the big when he fought against Wilder. And so he, he's been in some of those, you know, major league events. So how is he going to, you know, be able to get up for Alexander Flores? Because I saw him fight um, a couple years ago against a, a guy who was a tune-up fight. I can't remember the guy's name, but he didn't look that well. He didn't look that good against that opponent. Um, but again, I just was, you know, taking it into consideration that he was having trouble getting up for that particular opponent. So I just want to see how he's going to um, do um, in this one. But I expect him to win regardless of what, uh, he looks like it's just how he's gonna look and doing it. Yeah, I agree with both of you guys. I see this as an easy win for Ortiz. I'm actually kind of disappointed for this fight because Louis Ortiz is coming up uh, to be 42 years old uh, beginning of next year, and you know, and that's and that's just from what we know. There've been rumors that he's, he could be older than that. So it's kind of uh, if if you if you're gonna get those big fights, besides Wilder, you, it's time to go after him. Or they have to choose him, and I think that Louis Ortiz would have been an excellent fight for uh, Anthony Joshua as far as how they match up and what could happen. I think that's a, a, a great fight that could have happened, um, or even Louis Ortiz versus some of the young younger guns. I think those would be would be still be interesting fights. Um, and I don't like how you know Louis Ortiz is not getting those fights anymore. The only person that was willing to fight him really like that with Wilder. I don't, I don't like how that's kind of playing out. And, you know, he's he, he's in his early 40s. It's almost at the end of his career, you know. I, even myself being as someone who just turned 40, I, you know, I can even feel the age on myself. So I can, I can only imagine what a, a elite athlete is feeling. So it's like, I mean, where you go from here, you, you don't have fights to, to, to waste. You don't have tune-ups to waste. It's time to, you know, get those fights and get out. Get out before you get hurt. You know, so um, that brings us to our our next topic. Um, th- this one I found interesting, and <laughs> and something that I do have uh, you know a pretty strong opinion on. But I just heard that you know the World Boxing Council, the w- aka the WBC, is creating a, a two hundred twenty four pound division, and you know that's the that's gonna almost sit between, you know, cruiserweight and heavyweight. Um, I assume that for the WBC, anything above 224 is going to be like a full-blown heavyweight. I don't know what they're going to call this division besides 224. That's what it is for now. Um, it's interesting how it's going to play out, but how, what are you guys' thoughts about that? Yeah, you know, it's it's – I understand the reason why they have a division like that because you got these super big heavyweights uh, nowadays, and that's kind of um, a huge disadvantage for a guy who's like in his like smaller, like two two hundred and two ten, and you fighting somebody like two fifty, two sixty, like that's a huge advantage for that bigger guy. Um, but you know, in that division, like right now, I would say the top guys would be Wilder. Wilder would definitely be one of the top guys. Usyk, like, that really helps him out a lot um, if he wanted to campaign at that weight division. Um, but outside of that, you know, I really don't have too much else to say about that because I don't know how much guys are going to be wanting to fight at that in that division. It's a new weight class. It's not, like, prestigious. Like, you're the heavyweight champ. You're the heavyweight champ. So um, it could be, like, a somebody who's moving up from cruiserweight 
Like they can campaign in that weight division and then until they try to propel themselves to actually become a heavyweight. My question would be if a person is, let's say, for instance, at 220 pounds, but they're like, I don't want to fight for that belt. I want to fight Fury. I want to fight, you know, the bigger guys. I wonder what they allow them to fight at heavyweight at the real heavyweight division if they're around that weight and they want to fight, you know, one of those bigger champions. Yeah, same thing I was going to say for the most part. I mean, it makes it, like you said, the, the obvious two names to stand out is going to be Wilder and Usyk um, and whoever from the Cruiserweight division that, you know, wants to move up and, and you know, there to be great in that sort of, however you want to call it, that division. Um, I don't really see any major kind of like long-term fallout with that. Um, in the big picture, I think, like you said, ultimately, even if those guys in that division win, they're still going to want to be like the heavyweight champ. You know what I mean? Like we're we're talking one sanctioning body that that is doing this, and so um, I'm not sure how serious that belt will even be taken in the grand scheme of of heavyweight things. So yeah, we'll see. Um, is it- I would have questions on how serious it's going to be taken also, but I do keep in mind that WBC is considered pretty much the most premier prestigious organization and there to have their belt mean something. It's basically that 224 belt will be the green belt. How I, as far as how I feel about it, you know, I, I don't like it. I don't like it one bit. Uh, that's like, now, now you have 18 weight classes that they're, that they're coming up on 18 weight classes. You already have, Four major belts per weight class. Then you have belts like the IBO, which is coming in prominence now. And then you have, and that's before you can start factoring in the franchise champions, the super champions. Just last night, it created confusion on who actually has what. When really Loma Chica only had the the super, you know, WBC champ, you know, belt, and and Haney has the official WBC belt, and they're acting like. Haney doesn't have that belt, you know, so we can see that how that confusion plays out. And they'll even play more confusion to the uh, casual fans when you have this belt. I mean, if if Wilder gets the 22, 224 belt, he picks up that belt. Let's say he does that. Is he the, the heavyweight champion now? No one, no one, no casual fan is going to really be able to figure that out. And um, honestly, I, while they're doing this, yeah, yeah, of course, there, there are some very, very large heavyweights. But in my opinion, I think it's it's, it's kind of twofold. There are, you know, guys like uh, Joshua and Fury who are naturally, you know, just bigger. And there's no way they're going to, you know, get below 224. But then you have guys like, you know, the Dillian Whites, the the the, uh, the Chisoras, you know, those guys are just fat. I'm calling how, how, how I feel it. A lot of those guys are just, they're not disciplined. You know, if, if you don't believe, just look at heavyweights from the 90s and look at how they're built compared to how some guys now are built. It's almost like guys, are, they move up to heavyweight because they're just lazy and don't want to train. Like I always joke that Chris Ariola, as much as I love him and the way he fights, he probably could have made who's way if he trained hard enough. <laughs> at six foot four. As a matter of fact, I think he, fought in amateurs as a, a light heavyweight, you know, so it's like yeah, yeah, so I I just don't, I don't like the idea of it let heavyweights be heavyweights if if 
guys feel they're too small for heavyweight, stay at cruiserweight, make cruiserweight, uh, make cruiserweight, <laughs> make cruiserweight great again. Like, <laughs> like it was like when Vanner Holyfield was there, you know, Vanner Holyfield, he, he stayed at cruiserweight before he was ready to go to heavyweight. He won his titles there. He became a legendaire before anything. He moved up to heavyweight for the money. Kind of same thing what Uzik is doing. Um, if, if if you if you can't if you're not big enough to be at heavyweight, go to cruiserweight. That's my own. That's my thoughts about it. And then the last thing uh, we can discuss is what do you guys think about that Andre uh, versus Dusty Harrison fight that's coming up? Hmm. Uh, I, with Andre, I wish Andre would get the fights that he desperately needed. I think he's a, a great talent. Uh, obviously, I, I don't know too much about Dusty Harrison as far as in the ring. I know he's undefeated. You know, he he's a uh, he was a great prospect at the time. I think he had some, some out-of-ring issues that prevented him from really stepping up the way he should have. It's funny because he's actually from the DMV area. I've heard stories about him. I mean, he, he's very close in, in, in the boxing circle, so he's not too far away. I mean, I hear a lot of things about him. Um, and I believe my wife met his trainer once. Um, so I probably, I don't know if I'll be rooting for him, but I'm interested to see what he does and 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 and, and how he handles that, that challenge because Andre can be a, a handful for anyone, you know. So I don't know too much about Dusty Harrison. I, hopefully he... he made a conscious, smart decision when he signed on this fight. It could be one of those risks, just like with Teofimo Lopez, one of those risks that that, that pays off. Uh, of course, Andre is not uh, the, the the guy at 160, but I think he's one of the most dangerous fighters as far as – and, and Andre has the ability to upset set anyone at 160, and I think that's kind of why a lot of guys avoid him. So beating Andre, if if it was to happen, is a, is a very good scout to have. But because I don't know too much about Dusty Harrison, I, I really don't know what what happens. You know, when I think about Andre and his competition, you know, I get disgusted. So I guess it's time for me to discuss it. <laughs> now, with this this guy that he's facing, Dusty Harrison, you remember earlier this week, I sent the text out to you fellas. And Danny, the first thing you said, oh, you talking about the welterweight? Like, dude. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I was confused. It makes no sense. Yeah. Like so, and on top of that, this fight isn't at one sixty; it's at one sixty eight. Dusty Harrison is a, a welterweight. So, mm-hmm. out of all of the guys that you can face, Mister Andrade, you're going to pull up a welterweight up to one sixty eight. Like that's terrible, man. And I can't vouch for you anymore. I can't even like those guys if they don't want to fight you and they don't even mention your name. I don't blame them because you have to. Put yourself in a position where you fight stiffer competition and you showcase your talent against stiffer competition. And then you're going to have people demand that those other guys get in the ring with you. But when you're doing stuff like this, man, keep fighting these scrubs and, you know, make your money. I ain't even called Dusty a scrub. I ain't Because I, I don't even really know him that well. And I apologize to Dusty Harrison who listened to the show. I'm saying that you're a small guy and he's pulling you up to that higher weight class. And it's you, there's so many other potential fighters that you can fight that's different competition than that that's at either 168 or 160. You know what I mean? Let's say, for instance, it's other guys that are avoiding you. Cool. I'm sure you can find somebody that's, you know, a, a better opponent. And again, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to um, Dusty Harrison. I'm just saying 
you can find stiffer competition at 160 or 168 as opposed to pulling somebody up from 147. It just doesn't uh, look good. I'm not sure if he's pulling them up per se because I think I think it's more so Dusty Harrison has problems uh, with making welterweight. I don't think he was ever a natural. I don't think he's a, a necessarily a yeah. natural uh, welterweight. I mean, his last fight he was at 175. I mean, I'm pretty sure he didn't really even train. So he's probably one of those guys who undisciplined, probably walks around heavier than he should should have. Probably doesn't. He may not even take his career seriously. But I mean, yeah. that's a lot of. But what the thing is, that's that's a lot of what ifs. But we do know that there are other fighters who naturally weigh that is true. 160, 168 that mm-hmm. he could have that is know, true sought out. That is true. That's I mean, it's one of those things. He's with the, the zone. <laughs> but I don't know. It's just yeah. I don't know. I, I don't like the way his career has been going. I don't know. If, I think it's really more so a management issue with uh, Andre's career. And it's, it's kind of sad to see a guy with that much talent, you know, not get the fights he sh- really should get, or, or not choose the fights he really should. Yeah, I'm a mm-hmm. I'm a fan of the way that Andre fights, but I just got a question at this point, and and it goes also goes back to how was the zone cool with this? You know, like if you're trying to attract people to your network, and you have someone who is possibly a top three or four middleweight. Fighting somebody like, look, I got the box rack up, and I like I like Dusty. You know what I mean? Like I met him. He he's from the area. He seems cool enough. You know, um, last last two people he fought. The, the first guy was thirty eight and fourteen at one seventy five. The other guy was twenty one and eleven at one at one sixty five. I don't even know what weight that is. Maybe maybe it was a super middle. So, like. Again, there's so many other options. If you if you claim to want top competition, you were calling out Canelo earlier this year, and you fight Dusty. Like, no disrespect, I just don't understand. Like, what do what do you even want out of your career at this point? You know what I mean? It just I'm just confused. Like, I I just don't get it. Don't make sense. And then if you look at if you're looking at his box right, a couple of years back, he had a draw against <laughs> Mike Dallas Jr. Mike Dallas Jr. What's gonna almost kill Mike Dallas Jr. Um, what's his name? Was it Crawford? Uh, it was... No, no, it wasn't Crawford. It was uh, uh, my man that that when I keep Who saying does? that that uh, no, 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 no. look it up my myself, Matisse always <laughs> decapitated that man. I'm saying, and so that was that junior welterweight when he fought Mike Dallas Jr. He had a draw with Mike Dallas Jr. So come on, man, like this is this is utterly uh disappointing um but if you guys don't have anything else that you want to say we can start wrapping this up because this episode is going to be longer than the yeah. Jamaican time yeah yeah we, 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 you said it correctly we're about, we're about done we cover all the topics we need to cover absolutely and on that note uh Danny, no you got sir anything? we did what we had to do all right bet so then we already five thousand